Three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. So we're doing this, Ruth. Um, it's a little weird looking at you because usually when we run, I don't, we don't make eye contact, but you know, let's go for it. But what happens on our runs is really cool. And so we are going to share it today. Yeah. We're going to talk about, the, the plan is to talk about whole number division, right? And then decimal operations. However, just like our run, we get like sidetracked. So that might happen too. That's okay. Right. Um, you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. So, so far, I haven't gotten very far at all into division. I just finished whole number, multipl- like multiplication of up to three by two digits um, with my fourth graders la- the week before last. So I had a short week this week, only two days because of fall break. And because of my class, my ma- um, master's class that I'm in, I had to give a a CRA assessment, concrete representational abstract. And I had to um, have them do three different problems, one of each type with division. And they have, these guys have a little bit of background with division because of third grade. Um, But a lot of them, I just in like a really fast pre-assessment I'd done, I realized they were really bothered by um, remainders. So I purposely made, wrote my prop, my three problems where they'd have to do something with the remainder. And then I collected their data and there was one, so all my problems had a theme, um, you know, Mrs. Joyce downtown, that like tree oh, shape. Co- place. Yeah. Okay. So all of them were themed around her. It was kind of fun. And, um, one of the problems said there were, Box. She had boxes, and she had to put six cupcakes in a, in each box. And she had a number of cupcakes in the story. She had a number of cupcakes that wasn't divisible by six. I think it was twenty eight. That problem really bothered them. Like they gave me all kinds of weird answers. Some kids who had the math knowledge are gave me like um, twenty. No, they gave me four remainder four. So the problem is twenty eight divided by six is four remainder four. But really, the answer you need is five because you have to go up one box. Um, So I just got all kinds of different answers. Four remainder four, four, get a bigger box, throw some cupcakes away, bake two more cook, bake two more cupcakes. (laughs) Like, um, and a couple kids said five, but most, they were just, they were just all kinds of bothered by the remainder. So that's where I was. So what I ended up doing the next day was building a Google slide, like presentation that had four examples of kid work from each of my three problems. So they had to look at them and decide um, which one they thought was the best. I didn't use that word best. I said which one had the most glows, um, which is how we talk about like positives and negatives, glows and grows in my class. Um, And at f- like the first second I started it, I was like, oh, this is going to be a disaster because they were going straight to the Google form where they were supposed to put in their feedback, you know? Um, But after things calmed down, I also had to spread them out around the room so they could hear each other talk better. Mm. And after I spread them out some and some in the hallway, 
um, their conversation got much deeper and better. And what was really cool, my favorite part about that whole look at these four problems and then send me your answer on Google Forms was that I was sort of checking back into my computer and whenever they had submitted the first form about the first four problems, I could see which one they thought was the best or the correct or the most, you know, most close. And they were sort of agreeing and then there'd be like one team that didn't agree. And so I'd go straight to that team and tell me about it. What did you, you know, why did you pick this one? And probably, you know, I, I probably did that with like six teams and four of those six, their reasons were really good. And how big are your teams? Just pairs. Just pairs. Yeah. So I did almost the same thing when we did the, with decimals, they had to compare three tenths and 300 two thousandths and 31 hundredths. Mm-hmm. First, they had to model them. And I really rocked their world when I said the cube is a whole. So the flats are a tenth. Okay. Well, because their whole elementary career, they've called those hundreds. It's really hard to understand a kid who's saying, I modeled three tenths with three hundreds and understand what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So it led to rich discussions because you modeled three tenths with three hundred thousandths because that's what this unit is. So we were able to talk about what the name of the cube is. And it gets its name because of how many it takes to make a whole. So that kind of led us into a discussion about what would 999 thousandths look like. Mm -hmm. Which then off the cuff I just said, so what would 999 millionths look like? And what I did was opened a question in my classroom that not one of my 126 graders could understand in such a way that they could get it correct and really explain it. Mm -hmm. So I pulled out my little decimal chips that were um, ten thousandths and we cut them and I showed them what millionths would look like. And because they were able to see it and were able to touch it, it helped them see how much smaller a millionth really is Mm -hmm. than a thousandth. So having that knowledge and having talked about how small the numbers are, Yesterday, we were rounding, and when I round, I tell them the story of the student who brought the chicken poster to school Mm -hmm. for his presentation. No words on the poster, no numbers, just a chicken. He'd glued some feathers on it, and his presentation was, today I'm going to tell you about rounding, and rounding means don't kill the chicken. (laughs) And it was amazing, because that is what rounding is. If the chicken has already passed the halfway point of the road, you tell the chicken to keep running. Otherwise, you tell the chicken to turn around and run back. And so I Googled all these chicken images with different places on the roads, and I just gave them numbers and said, if this is the 6.2, 6.3 road, okay. where is the chicken right now? And the discussion of, well, 6.25 would be the halfway point. Mm -hmm. So he's probably around 6.21, which then led to a discussion. Wait, so your chickens didn't have numbers with them? They were just pictures? They were just pictures. Okay. And I just decided what the number, what the name of the road is. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. Um, Did they have a hard time deciding 6.25 was the middle? Or they knew that? Um, Some of them. So... I did what I do a lot. I just have expo markers and their desk are expo boards. 
So you would write what you thought the middle was and cover it up with your hand. And I walked around and got immediate formative assessment of who knows how to do this. So then that led to this great big discussion because, you know, between 6.2 and 6.3 is 6.2 and a half. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean and how do we say that? Mm -hmm. And now comes the definition of five because five is the halfway point. Why do we round when we get to five and above? Okay. Um, they gathered so much, and not one time did I say, what are we rounding to? What's the digit to the right of mm-hmm. it? And I actually gave them a scenario where me, as a teacher, am trying to teach what it means to round to the nearest whole number. And the problem I gave was 345 and 9 tenths. And I said, I don't know how to teach. What should I say to the student who rounds that to 300 or to the student who rounds that to 350 or the student who rounds it to 346? Which one's right? Who rounded it to the nearest hole? Right. And it was so cool to see them explain, well, the nearest hole means the nearest hole number. I said, do you understand what you just did, you explain something by just repeating what the directions <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. But do you understand that that means you know what the nearest hole is? And so then I actually said to them, well, what about, what do I say to the student who takes 349.6 and rounds it, or 345.9 and rounds it to six? Because you told like me to round six, it. just six, the yeah. whole number? Okay. You rounded it to the ones place. Mm-hmm. So we have to have more discussions, which by this time the kids are really engaged because they really want to be the teacher who can explain it correctly. Mm-hmm. And then once we got to the chicken, they were just like, oh, Missy, you could just tell them it's on the 345, 346 road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which way are you going to go? Um, and then we ended yesterday with rolling just a game that I got from Enrich okay. Maths. Um, and I tweaked it a little bit because if you find it there, it's rounding to the nearest 10, 20, 30, 40. Okay. And nearest 10. And I wanted it to round to the nearest hole. Okay. So I just put decimals in between 10, 20, 30, 40, and they rounded it to 1.0, 2. 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. Oh. <laughs> okay. Which... It was an easy way out for me. I could have reproduced the worksheet, mm-hmm. but I didn't even expect how much discussion that would bring hmm. by saying, what numbers do you see on your paper? They said, I see zero to a hundred. And then someone was like, that's not it. You see zero to 10. So hmm. enriched maths provided an opportunity for them to play. And you simply rolled three dice and arranged them in such a way that you could round it to one of those numbers. And the okay. idea was that you were going to, produce 10 numbers to round it to each of those or 11 because you could you had to round to zero okay um and win so lots of class discussion and then today we are um heading into computation of decimals which hopefully because we named them and we know what they're called when i ask them what three plus four tenths is nobody's gonna say seven Hmm. <laughs> okay. So wait, I, I had a question back when you were talking about modeling them. Um, you said the large cube was your one hole, 
Right. Just that day. Right. So were any of them bothered by that? Because maybe in fifth grade, fingers crossed, if their if their teacher modeled it, the flat was one hole because usually that's how you see it. Yes. And in their models, when there was a mistake, so they modeled them and used Flipgrid, the app um, on the iPads to create a small video of this is how I modeled the numbers and this is how I can look at them and see that they are the biggest. Okay. So you go into the lesson with some kind of prior knowledge about ordering decimals. And I would probably say 75% of the students knew that 31 hundredths was bigger than 300 two thousandths and three tenths because they have that little line it up, put the extra zeros. Yeah. But now they're modeling it and 31 hundredths was modeled with, Three rods and one unit. Because that's how it would be in a whole number. Exactly. But three-tenths, they modeled with three flats. And they didn't understand that 31 hundredths has three-tenths, and you have to model the tenths the same way. Hmm. So there was confusion on that. But again, it led to an opportunity to have this discussion, which is exactly what you talked about division. When they came in the next day, their warm up was here is team one, team two, and team three models, which team did it correctly. Mm-hmm. And where are their differences? And so every single team modeled three tenths with three flats. Everybody got that right on Everybody their own. Everybody got that right on their own. But then when they move, and they got 302 thousandths correct because they made 302 just like they had done in elementary school. They were just thousandths. They had the flat and the two. How weird. So the whole was the 31 hundredths because they wanted 30. And they're used to 30 being represented by three rods and it needed to be represented by three flats. Okay. So what the point is of all that discussion is that you have to, teachers have to change what the whole is to make sure that they really have an understanding of what decimal modeling looks like. Right? I mean, you, like, another time you might change your whole to be the flat. Oh, I have movable place value blocks on my place value chart above the board. Like a magnet? Like the magnet ones. Okay. And so... When we're doing decimals, the hole changes regularly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And changing the hole and moving all of them is really an introduction to multiplication and division yeah. by 10. By 10, yeah. Because they can see that it's place value. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 10 times bigger or 10 times smaller, depending on which way you shifted everything. Right. Just the fact that you say 10 times bigger and then you ask someone to multiply times 10 and it's like they can't relate those two skills yeah i'm picturing uh i don't i mean i might have i think i don't know if i have magnets but i'm just picturing like two halves of a piece of poster board and one of them has all the sizes of the place value blocks and one of them has all the place values and and you know moving them that as you move one they all move up and down you know like if a teacher could make it could make that and just um show that they were shifting it by moving all of them at the same time. You know, does that make any sense? It does. And now I'm really thinking about that. I'm thinking about like a page protector. All right. We got to make that. 
All right. So where do we go next? We do want to talk about, so we just finished talking a lot about what you already did. Did we talk about what your plans are for whole number computation? I mean, sorry, decimal computation next. Like what are you going to do today? Today's a short class, but I might head into um, the Desmos activity that is created for computing decimals. Okay. So Desmos is a website that students can access on iPads. I most appreciate that you can click continue without signing in. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to have emails. We don't have to have usernames and passwords. Yeah. So you get there and you put your name and me as a teacher has access now to everything you're typing in Desmos. And okay. so the first question Wait, is... Wait, was it hard to set up that part? Not at all. Okay. I mean, no. There's no setup. You just tell them to go to student.desmos.com and type in the code of the activity that you want them to do. But if they're typing in their name, how are you not see? How are you not seeing like every kid that might be on there? Is well, it a because, making a unique code for you? Yes. It's okay. a unique code each time you say you want to assign this to your class. Oh, I gotcha. And assigning it to your class doesn't mean you have to put in any kids' names. Okay. It just means here's your code. Okay. But you had to sign in. Yes. That first step, but so I'm signed in at desmos.com okay. in teacher activities, and then the students are signed in on their iPads at student.desmos. Okay, got it. Um, so there is an element in Desmos where it asks them a question, and it's extremely low floor, high ceiling. Everyone can enter, and everyone feels safe. And the first part of it is pick four numbers from one to nine and drag them into these four boxes. Are they whole numbers? Yes. Okay. And then on the whole, on the next screen, Desmos has put decimals in the numbers. And now it says add these numbers. And it get, tells them your sum is not correct. Try again. Huh. Or your sum is correct. So the next screen says now use the numbers and try to make the biggest number possible. So you can slide them around and change them out and make the biggest sum possible and again tell the answer. Well, when you're using... Wait, can you go back? Can you mm-hmm. give me an idea? Like, if I pick four, nine, seven, and two, mm-hmm. how does it change? What does it change them into? 4.9 plus 7.2. Always. This activity, yes. Okay, so it's going to be like a two-digit decimal. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Um, so now you're making the biggest number, and 9.7... And 8.6 or 9.6 and 8.7 are going to make 18.3. And that's the largest number that you can make. Okay. Well, until you make that, your screen tells you as a student, one of your classmates has created Uh, a bigger number. Cool. Can you create a bigger number? Uh Uh-huh. It's not, maybe it's not a glitch. Maybe the people at Desmos did it on purpose. But if someone adds wrong and puts in 19.8. Uh-huh. Then it still says one of your classmates has created a bigger number. Oh. Can you make a bigger number? Sneaky. So <laughs> now students are like, no. And they have to and they have to say why. They have to prove so, it. So right. So now you I have to it. justify how you know yours is the biggest number. So as a teacher, I'm reading those justifications and reading what they're typing. That's so good. And I can do what's called a snapshot, which literally means just push the little camera beside the 
um, explanation that I like, and it pops up on my projector. Okay. So now kids who have no idea how to make the biggest number can read what McKenna wrote. And mm-hmm. McKenna said, well, I picked the two biggest numbers and put them in the ones place. And the next two were the, the next two biggest numbers were the other ones I used. Mm-hmm. So she didn't say I did this. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Okay. But she's given them a clue so that now they can come along. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so you can pace it. Like I set it so that they could only look at screens one through four and they couldn't go ahead. Okay. Okay. And then the next screen was um, screen five and six, which was, here's your same numbers. Make a subtraction problem is big with the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. So they had to type a subtraction problem and they had to explain the difference. And it was so cool to see all the different ways that a student could yeah. explain making the biggest difference. Yeah. Um, okay, wait. I have some management questions. Can okay. I ask them? Can I interrupt yes. you? Because um, I really want to use Desmos. I looked for something um, about multiplicate, like whole number multiplication, especially when we're getting to arrays of big problems, because it's really hard to to model that with base 10 blocks. Like they just get annoyed with, you know, right. trying to model so many. So I tried to find something. And the only um, pro- things I could... I've never used it in my class. Let me just say that. I've played a lot with it, at, you know, just on my own. Um, the only activities I could find were I, what I think our teacher created, and they were not ever quite right for what I wanted to do for my kids, oh, okay. you know, and I don't know how to make one. Um, I want to learn, but that seemed like a huge task before, you know, the next day. <laughs> that's how we have, That's how we roll, right? Right. <laughs> so, so... First of all, can you tell if this was made by Desmos or was this made by a teacher? Do you have any idea, this particular one? I have no idea. I'm going to guess it was made by Desmos because it was really good. Yeah. Okay. All right. So while you're – she's looking it up. While you're looking it up, um, yes, it says right there. Oh, there you go. Okay. And um, was this the first Desmos thing that you used in your class? So the first Desmos thing I did was something very similar when I was doing integers at the beginning of the year, and I did it for homework. So I created a class code, and I just said, use this code at your house and complete this activity. Okay. Um, so they... Um, this one, you just drag these numbers into these boxes to okay. make them equal. Okay, so there we're looking at, oh, this is called the, what was this called again? Integer challenge? Um, we got to remember people can't see us. Adding. <laughs> adding yeah. integers. So it's called adding integers on Desmos. And, and it's just whole numbers and you're dragging them. It says one, two, three, and four, and you're dragging them into a red box or a blue box. Because you want, you have to drag them to make them equal, the boxes have to equal. So I'm going to put two and three in the blue box and one and four in the red box. Okay. And a student who puts one and three in the red box and a four in the blue box and leaves the two out is still correct. Okay. They just have to be equal. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so they were able to do this at home. Okay. Once 
they did it at home and were able to type in their all of that kind of stuff, then I had a whole list and Desmos just provides the spreadsheet where you can see what every kid typed. So that was their first experience at home. It's eight slides, eight questions. And it was at the end of it, I think I can skip through to the very end. Um, there's always a couple reflections. Okay. So this was it. You had to make your challenge which meant you had to pick how many numbers you wanted to use, positives, negatives, and the students had to figure out what your problem was and make the both boxes the same. Oh. So after the challenges were made, then you were able to play and see how many of your classmates That's you so could cool. get. And so the thing. interaction was really cool on both ends because, mm-hmm. again, it was – low floor Mm -hmm. you didn't have to do all of them but it was high ceiling because you could make yours really challenging yeah um and i had a couple students who asked me if i would try to do their challenge cool (laughs) so So, okay so you named a lot of things that you were able to do on this we didn't we didn't set out saying we were gonna talk about desmos but i'm really interested so here (laughs) we are um you named a lot of things you could figure out how to do, like assign it and look at the spreadsheet and pause it and pace it and take a picture. Like that's a lot of things that you know how to do and do already. Was it hard to learn those different things? It was not hard at all. Okay. I learned it in second period. <laughs> <laughs> True confession. <laughs> I mean, um, for real, you – it just has your stuff there. It has pacing. Okay. Now, I will tell you this. There is a teacher guide. So I originally planned this lesson with the adding integers for a substitute. Oh. And I printed out the teacher guide, and I gave her an option. You can go through these steps. So wait, the teacher guide comes to this per- this particular lesson? Yes. Okay. When you go to the decimal challenge, that's one of the options you have. Okay, cool. And it shows you what the screens are. It tells you a good way to pace. It even provides you some of the questions that you might ask or some of the things that you might look for. Okay. Um, Desmos is really good about telling you the answers. I yesterday used Desmos in the car with a student who I'm tutoring for algebra. <laughs> okay. And she couldn't find her study guide. For her um, assessment, but she said she knew she was doing slope. So I gave her my phone and said, go to Desmos and search slope. That's awesome. And the activities were so spot on. Like here's a line and you want it to move. So you want it to intersect this dot. Mm -hmm. Well, then we had a conversation. What are you going to change? I'm going to probably change how steep it is. Oh, the slope. Which one of the numbers is the slope? That's so cool. Um, and there was immediate feedback. You got it mm-hmm. right because you were able to check it and see the line move. So Desmos has done a really good job of making it teacher friendly. Yeah. And it's free. Yeah. Um, yeah. I originally set out like when you look on the left side, it says conics and exponentials and functions and inequalities and linear systems. And it scares people. And that makes you feel like it's only for high school. Yeah. But. I mean, there's plenty of things that I've looked for that there was nothing. Mm-hmm. Like you said, multiplication. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to try to find something that, to use it. Cause I want to, I want to see what, I want to see what's available. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you're moving 
so you are back to your decimal desmos activity have you already done it or are you getting ready to do it i've already done it oh um so what's today then you never answered that so today is everything that i've planned that we haven't been able to like i'm going to show you this really cool game oh look you have two minutes to play yeah. it yeah so they want to play that they want to play the spiraling decimals game that i found on enrich maths yes yeah. Just enough of competition that they played it one time and they want to be able to get back with that person mm -hmm. and play again. Um, it's a game that anyone can win. Maybe you have supreme um, math knowledge and you know exactly where the decimals go and maybe get a little bit of luck. Mm -hmm. So you cool. could lose. Yeah. Even if you know exactly where they okay. go. So... Um, I have lots of questions. Um, is, are you, what are some of the misconceptions with addition and subtraction of decimals that you see, that you know from teaching, you know, 22 years, right? 22. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eye roll. <laughs> um, um, what are some of those misconceptions and have you already seen them or has something that you've done like helped them not happen and what are you going to do about them so because you wait you said something like three tenths and four holes equals seven or seven tenths or whatever what are you going to do about that kids come to sixth grade most of the time having been taught that you have to line up your decimals mm -hmm. um if they had been taught that you have to line up your place value, then when there are numbers that don't have a visible decimal, I don't think they would get as confused. Okay. Because they're thinking that seven with no decimal behind it is in the ones place and they need to line it up with the zero that's mm -hmm. in the ones place. Okay. So, and... You don't always want them going to an algorithm. Like, I want them to be able to do seven holes plus three tenths without writing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then that leads us into subtraction, where I want them to be able to do seven holes minus three tenths. Without spitting out some zeros in a decimal. Like yeah. Just like, I back. want them to be able to use the knowledge they have even if it's with the base 10 blocks um when i teach subtraction i typically start with whole numbers and we use like if i were to teach seven minus three tenths they would lay out seven flats and they would put three tenths Wait. on top of it so so just so people are following you your your hole just changed because yes last uh, year right. hole it would before change. was yep. the was the cube and right now in this problem the hole is the flat. Mm -hmm. Okay, carry on. So if I have seven flats on my desk, then I'm going to take three tenths, which is three rods, and just lay them on top of the flats and look at what is not covered up. Oh. So six and seven tenths is the answer. Because I have covered or created two different sets of numbers. So if I were to do it... Wait, I got to understand you. Okay. Okay, so when I've modeled subtraction, I model it with a takeaway. 
So that's requires like I'm thinking whole numbers. We haven't mm-hmm. gotten to decimals. We're gonna be getting there, but I'm thinking I have we have to do an exchange, right? And we would trade the flat in for you know ten rods, but. You're saying you're using the base 10 blocks more as a comparison model or a difference model by looking at the part that's different. Is that what you're saying to me? Right. So my base 10 blocks are not all the same color. I have a hodgepodge of 22 years. Doesn't everybody. (laughs) Base 10 blocks. So you're going to have seven yellow flats laying on your desk and you're going to put three blue rods on top of that. Why have I never thought of it that way? It's way easier than trading. It's Ugh. it's covering it up. And you can do it however you want. Now you're comparing those two piles. Um, and when you're doing, like I would probably do that with whole number subtraction too. Ugh. I feel cheated in life. <laughs> I didn't know you could do it that way. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the purpose of our run so that. You can learn from yeah. how someone else has done it. Wait. Okay, my mind is blown. I just... Um, so, oh, it was in... Okay, I'm, I'm going a little nerdy on you here, okay. right here. But um, I think... I'm going to say this wrong. I'm going to be really embarrassed because this is like the, you know, the person. But there's the Lipping Ma or something. I think I've got the wrong. The wrong. So we'll just go with Ma. That's the, the book that I think I've been telling you about. Oh, where, okay. Um, where she had a study comparing Chinese teachers and English teachers, um, un- math understanding. Like it was oh, really, it was really right. about we what did the teachers mm-hmm. know, you know? I apologize to all the math people out there who I said the name wrong, maybe. Um, but I think that's where I read it that everybody, when they gave ex- the teachers, when they gave examples or made a context, it was always a takeaway problem. And the, um, I wish I could know exactly where it was. Somewhere recently I've read about the fact that everybody models or puts the context in as takeaway and not. Nope, JK, I know what it was. I heard Jennifer Bay Williams recently at a conference. That's what it was. And she was saying, it was a whole room of teachers. That Okay, sorry, it's coming back to me. It was a whole room of teachers. And she asked us to give a context for a certain problem. And... When then she pulled us, so she put the problem up on the board, and then we were to tell us, like in our head, tell a story about how you would give context. And when she pulled the room, the overwhelming majority of people made it a takeaway problem, and a few hands went up for the comparison or the difference kind of problem. And she said, This room, because it was a room of people that were math specialists, it wasn't even a room of teachers. It was, you know, a room of people who had studied it. She's like, This room is out of the ordinary. Usually, when I do it with just teachers or if I do it with just lay people, everybody writes a takeaway problem. So that's exact, like going back to your model, it's so true. Like every time we model it with materials, if we only make it a takeaway problem their kids are of course never going to see subtraction as comparison okay i learned something mic drop all right go ahead (laughs) forget where you were (laughs) okay this was this was beneficial for me who knows if it's beneficial (laughs) for everybody else but i'm going to use that now okay so we were talking about misconceptions and how you were going to fix how i guess you're telling talking about how you'd get them to do 
six minus three tenths or seven, whatever you said it was, right. seven minus three tenths <clears throat> conceptually. And so you were pointing to the cover it up with your, let your, let your base 10 blocks out and cover it up and then look at the part that's not covered up. And so when you think about a student and trying to push them into mental math, just think about how few steps you're going to use in a comparison model compared to trading. Mm-hmm. So mentally, when you have that solid understanding that that is subtraction, you can visualize your hole with those three rods over there and know mm-hmm. that there are seven left. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you can, that is a good way to also do counting up because if seven is my goal yeah, and I only have three tenths, how many more do I need to fill this hole? Right. How many more do I need to get mm-hmm. to the seven holes? Yeah. Um, this is a bit of a detour, but my, um, we've been doing number talks in my class, mm-hmm. not, not as consistently as I would hope, but every time I do it, I'm glad I do. And at Jennifer Bay Williams talk, she did that idea of, um, if you have a subtraction problem, adding one to both of the numbers to make so you don't have to regroup right and we picture that like my hands are moving and so was everyone's in the in the in the room your hands move up the number line both hands move at the same distance right well my kids I shared that with them like it's part of their morning message I just put that problem on the board and they were really bothered by it like they'd never seen that before um they they didn't get I thought they would get the idea that you know think about it on a number line but they haven't they don't think about subtraction on a number line until you until you show them and it's not part of their experience so if like what I'm trying to say is you might already do it your kids already might already think about it because on a number line but how cool would it be to connect those representations? Like as you're doing it with your base 10 and talking about the numbers, whatever, put the number line up there too so that that might become part of their picture. Because right now for my kids, it is not part of their picture. So that reminds me of a few years ago when I did subtraction. And it really was one of those things that I did not plan. It just came out and was like, oh my word. So I just had a short rope Mm -hmm. and I asked them the distance the length of the rope mm-hmm. well this rope is going to be the difference in a subtraction problem so we put it on the number line okay so let's just pretend for easy sake since I'm making up these numbers and I want to get this right okay <laughs> that it was the distance between <laughs> 80 and 60 so okay. this rope is 20 units okay All I did was move the rope down the number line. So when I moved it to 79, it went to 59. Mm -hmm. And when I moved it to 78, it went to 58. And they were able to see 20 all the way down the number line. Cool. So then I cut that rope and I made it one unit smaller and I made it 19. And all the subtraction problems that we ended up writing in the ratio table were equal to 19. And they were able to see which one of these subtraction problems would be the easiest for you to solve. Oh, Missy, I liked it when it was on oh. 79 
and 60. Yeah. Because there's that 19. There's the difference in those two. So even just helping them understand without the, so you have your number line, but if you just get a rope or you get something that is the length, because difference and distance have the same meaning when it comes to the number line. Yeah, subtraction. And then integers. And then range. Mm -hmm. All of these words, if they have that number line access. The idea of distance. Can I go back to something? Mm -hmm. Tending to precision here. You called it a ratio table. Can you call it a ratio table if it's an additive relationship? Or does it... I thought it had to be a multiplicative relationship. Oh, well, maybe. I mean, maybe that's just the wrong vocabulary word. So just a table. Right. You could just call it a yeah. table or, or a list Because you're right. So a ratio table would have to insinuate there's multiplicative going on. Yeah. And Jay's nodding in the background. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good catch. Thanks. Yeah. Which, I have to tell you this. Okay. Yesterday, my warm-up, which, which one doesn't belong? Ooh, ooh, yeah. We talked okay. about that on our run yesterday. Yes. Let's hear how it went. So I have a vertical number line with 3,500s and 3,600s, and the number that I'm plotting is 355 thousandths. Okay. So it's right between those. Okay. Okay, so that was A. Then I have a vertical number line with negative rational numbers, and then I had a um, 1.2 was plotted on a number line between 1.10 and 1.30. Okay. Lots of discussion on that one. And then... Wait, say that again. 1.2, 1 and 2 tenths. Uh-huh. I plotted on the number line right in the middle of 1 and 10 hundredths and 1 and 30 hundredths. Okay. Um, and then the last one, to quote my students, I did it wrong. Oh. Because it was 345.9 and I plotted 346. I rounded it. Okay. And that's why that one didn't belong because that one was rounded. Oh. Okay. Well, what I was, I'll come Wait, back to so that. So let, pa, okay. let me say that you should, um, you should like make it and share it and then we'll, we're going to have a website. We'll put it on the website because okay. that's hard to follow, but keep going because people can look at it and then understand right. what about. So this was what made me so excited that a student found a legitimate mistake that I made because I told oh. you I used a vertical number line. Okay. Well, I put 35 hundredths above 36 hundredths. On a vertical number line. Okay. And he's not the brightest student that I teach. But he just raises his hand and says, Mrs. E, I didn't write this, but I have a question. If that's a vertical number line, then would zero be under those numbers that are up there? Huh. Yes, Stephen, zero would be there. Still not understanding what he's asking. Yeah. And he said, well, isn't 3,500s closer to zero than 3,600s? Oh, nice. Yes. And then, you know, to kind of save face, I said, you know what? You're the only one all day, and it's fourth period that's caught that mistake. Dang. I think I'm going to leave it wrong, and I'm going to see if anyone else says I did that wrong. Yeah. Come back to me at the end of the day and see if you're the only one who uh-huh. caught it. Was he? He was the only one. Whoa. Cool. Yeah. So what were your four – what were the 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 reasons they don't belong – for each one, and was it what you were... Did they say the same thing as what you were going um, for? I got some cool answers. I mean, I definitely led them into what I wanted the answers to be. 
um, because it was our step into our essential question for the day, which what does it mean to round, Mm -hmm. which is what I taught. Mm -hmm. So the first number line or the first plotted one was different because it was less than a whole. So it was the only one without a whole number in the front. Yeah. And so I said to the students, can you say the same thing a different way? And it was really hard for them to say it's the only one between zero and one. Yeah. Okay. Um, So B was wrong or was different because it had negative. And they said negative integers. So then that led us into a discussion of. They're not integers. They're not integers. They're rational numbers. Had they ever thought about the fact that there are numbers that are below zero that aren't integers? Um. I don't know. I mean, we we studied integers as the set of whole numbers and their opposites, and we didn't really do negative decimals. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, but I also put that on a vertical number line, and I did that one correctly. Uh huh. So we were able to talk about where zero was and how Mrs. E had okay. written that one correctly. Yeah. Um. Let's see. And then the one that was rounding. Oh, and then one and two tenths was plotted on a number line that was one in 20 hundredths. And so we had this great discussion about how that one did not fit because we had renamed the number. But it was still right. It was still correct. Yeah. But some students really thought it was wrong. And when I looked at, there was one student who said, that is wrong because two does not come between 10 and 30. And so I read his exact sentence to mm-hmm. the class and said can someone fix this because what I'm saying is right two does not come between 10 and 30 and so the students had to say well that's two tenths and two tenths is the same as 20 hundredths mm-hmm. and how important is it to say the names of the numbers you're talking about mm-hmm. and then the last one was rounded and that's mm-hmm. why it didn't fit because it wasn't plotted correctly is what they said but you had a conversation about how yes. it was. And so why did I plot it there? Because I rounded. And what did I round it to? You rounded it to the nearest hole. Oh, and that was where I led into mm-hmm. what does it mean to round to the nearest hole? Can mm-hmm. you please help me teach that so I can do it better? <laughs> yeah. And I got, well, you have to round it to the whole number that's nearest. Oh, yeah. great. You just reworded exactly what the directions <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah. And somehow <laughs> students will still miss it. Exactly. <laughs> or maybe teaching isn't as easy as everyone thinks it is. Yeah. Because you have to do something other than reread Re- the directions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So should we touch on division or we just sort of say that we... Is this a good... Stopping point? Yeah. Okay, I think so, too. And we'll pick up division. Yeah, I can talk about what's worked next time, like what right? we tried next and what worked. All right, so my takeaway from today is I need to make sure that I – well, first of all, I'm going to try Desmos. I'm going to commit to do, <laughs> going doing something because I feel like it's so – there's such a cool – it's easy is what I heard from you, and there's such cool opportunities there. Um. And then the other take, my other thing is I need to model subtraction with the, with, you know, concrete models. That's also comparison um, and not just a takeaway model. That's my takeaway. What's your takeaway? So there is so much benefit in modeling 
student work. Mm, yeah. The anonymous part of being able to come back the next day and put it up there for them to analyze. And I love the glows and the grows. Mm-hmm. Because even if you had to, yeah, we're going to do that with adding and subtracting decimals. We're not spending a long time there. We're headed into multiplying decimals, okay. which now that I don't teach it algorithmically, yeah, it's, it's going to be so scary, right? Well, <laughs> it is. But I last year I got it. Like, there's so much more than just counting the digits and moving the mm-hmm. decimal. Yeah, I will say that that the um, the sharing student work thing. Like, we recently talked about that, and that I heard that. I mean, it's something I've done before, but not really put too much thought into. And I got that from that recent conference I went to with Jennifer Bay Williams, and she was talking all about flexibility, like help in. Influency flexibility is a part of that, and one that's one of her strategies she shared to help students become more fluent. Is that if you look, she I guess she was talking about it in the context of looking at correct student work in different ways that they solved it. But I mm. still think even looking at um, incorrect work can help them become more fluent. You know, like what about this kid's strategy? could I have used mm-hmm. you know so that's where that's where that started from and then we kind of changed a little bit into like looking at the co- the common misconceptions um but yeah there's they they pay attention to each other's work you know to try right. to like they said all kinds of things about their each other's work that they wouldn't have said about their own work and don't hmm. you think don't you think that's gonna like affect how they maybe maybe affect how they analyze their own work right that's your hope right that's my hope (laughs) yeah we'll have to to be determined right all right it's been awesome see ya see ya (laughs) 